Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning that we can come, the gift of being able to be here, Father. We thank you for your faithfulness. Father, I pray your word would just be anointed and our hearts would be tender to receive what you have for each of us today. In your precious name, Father, we pray. Amen. So the mouth matters. My mom was a talker and she grew up in the generation when children were seen and not heard. And some of you can relate to that. But when we had family gatherings as I was growing up, my mom, grandma, and aunts, they all talked at once. And so nobody really listened, but everybody talked. But I grew up not talking much at all. Um, And after I became an adult, my mom and I would get to go out to lunch, and she'd go, I'm going to be quiet because I want you to talk. And so after a couple minutes, she would say, now that's enough, it's my turn. (laughs) So, but I have become my mom, and I definitely can talk too much. My sister, she loved words, and she had an amazing vocabulary. And she would get upset if I mispronounced certain words, or if I was not clear. She would say, what are you trying to say? You're not making any sense. So the other day, now with texting, it's a whole new thing of not making any sense. Um, My granddaughter, I texted her a question, a simple little question, and she replied, E-H. And I'm like, E-H. What is E-H? What does that mean? Empty-headed? Well... (laughs) 30 minutes later, I get a text from her, and she says, it means I don't know. So healthy communication involves fellowship, and it's hard to do with texting, because with texting, we don't make eye contact. But we can use our words to talk to God in prayer, to speak words of kindness, insult, gossip, criticize, complain, and argue. And as Christian women, what a wonderful opportunity to use our words for good, to be able to make a difference, to be an instrument of God's love. And our words can reflect that sweet aroma of Christ. From uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 15, you can look that up. Or it's also in Ephesians 5, 2. Um, but it's not easy. The good news is the Bible is full of advice to help us to honor God with our conversations. And you should all have a sheet with the verses on it. And we're going to start on the side that has Matthew 12, 34b through 37. Because we are in charge of what comes out of our mouth. And according to God's word, what comes out of my mouth begins in my heart. So Matthew 12, 34b through 37 says, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. 
So it's so important that we guard what we put in our brain, what I listen to, and what I dwell on. And a few years while back, um, I have an example of this. I was hearing about McDonald's hamburgers. They were made of nasty stuff. And I was reading it and hearing it on the news. And so I was in the drive-thru at McDonald's, and I ordered a big and nasty burger. (laughs) So Pastor Jim says, you hear it, you think it, and then you say it. You hear it, you think it, and then you say it. So we're going to look at speaking gossip and lies, speaking kindness and love, silence and restraint, and then Holda, the prophetess. With speaking gossip and lies, it relates to words that hurt or words that help. Um, We don't wake up in the morning and go, I wonder who I can gossip about today. But we are in that flesh, like the little boy that was baptized a while back. And he goes, we got this flesh. We are sinners. And so we're going to look at Psalms 34, 13. It should be on your sheet. And Shelly has a slide um, she's going to put up. So that's from Liesel's picture. It says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. And it reminds me of the song we sing with Sunday school, Be careful, little tongue, what you say, for the Father up above, he's looking down in love. Um, so gossip betrays a confidence, Proverbs eleven thirteen. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. A gossip separates friends, Proverbs sixteen twenty eight. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Gossip prolongs tension between people. Proverbs 26.20 Fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Gossip, it can be attractive. Proverbs 26.22 Rumors are dainty morsels that sink Deep into one's heart. Just give me a little bit. Give me a little bit of it. I want more, a little bit. But even a little bit is still sin. People who, are gossip, who gossip are considered wicked. Romans one twenty nine. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. Sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Gossip should have no place among Christians, 1 Timothy 5.13. They are likely to become lazy and spend their time gossiping from house to house, getting into other people's business and saying things they shouldn't. And then Pastor Durrell shared with us that flattery is the mere image of gossip. So what we say to someone's face we would not say it behind someone's back. So what we say to their face, and then we wouldn't say it behind their back, is flattery. Proverbs twenty six twenty eight says, A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works room. So as a new believer, I was at a prayer meeting, and the pastor, um, he gently told me, Cheryl, you know, when you're praying about people in the church... You're sharing things that maybe I don't need to know. Too much information. So, in other words, I was like gossiping in the name of prayer. 
We don't always need to share all the details. God knows. Um, And we do want people to be able to tell their own story, you know, unless we have the permission to share. But I'm impressed because um, when I try to get people I serve with to tell me stuff, and they'll only share any more than what is necessary. So you guys do a great job of that. Um, But consider before sharing, am I part of the problem? Am I part of the solution? Is this none of my business? Am I just meddling? Is this edifying? What's the purpose of it, and will it help? We don't want to be a lightning rod for complainers. When someone comes to us and starts talking about someone else who isn't present, we should stop them and tell them to go talk to the person who has offended them or go talk to the person that you're upset with. And don't let them keep talking about the other person. And actually show them Matthew 18, 15 through 16 in our Bible. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established." So the goal is for healing and restoration. We may not gossip, um, but we might complain. And so complaining, Psalms 142, 1 through 2, directs us to bring our complaints to God. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. And with my voice to the Lord, I make supplication. And I pour out my complaint before him, and I declare before him my trouble. So my grandkids were, parents got divorced, so they were going through a little of a hard time, of course, and so we got a complaint jar for them. And at first it helped, but then they were complaining about everything. You know, the water was too not cold enough, or the bed was too hard, and then I was complaining about their complaining. And so he said, okay, we're going to do a thankful jar. And so for me, every complaint I have now, I want to try to do at least nine things of saying what I'm thankful for. Because we complain because we want our own way. And Jude 1.16 said, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. And then, you know, we might not gossip and we might not complain, but we might be critical. And criticism, the Bible tells us we need to take care of our own problems before we criticize others. Matthew 7, 3, and why do you look the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Criticism, um, it should help people deepen their relationship with God. Luke 17, 3 through 5. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So criticism should be given with a loving attitude. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. 
does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil. And harsh criticism can destroy rather than help. Galatians 5.15, if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. Be honest, Proverbs 19.1, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. So as Christians, we should be known by our honesty. Matthew 5.37, just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. And I often find myself saying what I think um, someone wants to hear. Or even saying everything's okay when it's not. So it's good to be open. Um, and you could say, I'm having a hard day. That's okay. But I am so thankful for forgiveness. As the Bible tells us, we can for- ask for forgiveness in 1 John 1, nine, To be of good cheer, as Jesus tells us, take heart. We can ask God to forgive us when we mess up. And he does. And we have a question here. Shelly's going to put it up on the screen. Based on, you don't have this scripture in your notes, but based on Matthew 15, 8, these people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So think about what is one area of your life that needs changing in order to get your heart and your mouth in line with each other. As we let God's word, um, as we listen, go through these scriptures, what is something that he um, wants to show us? What work does he want to do in us? And then in, it's so important to stop and say, what has God already done along that line since you've become a Christian? Or since we've been studying uh, this book of wisdom, to look back at your studies and what has he already done in me? You know, how has he changed us? Kindness and love. So we're going to go on to kindness and love, and that equals forgiveness. Our communication needs to be, first of all, loving. John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And my husband, Louis, um, he was lecturing our grandkids and talking to telling them that they were going to have to pay him 25 cents Every time they said something unkind about someone. Well, it didn't take long before they were collecting 25 cents for comments they overheard us say. (laughs) So, my communication cannot be loving if I have hate in my heart. And forgiveness is what keeps us on track with our words. Ephesians 4.32 um, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so this is what the Bible teaches about forgiveness from a grief share. It says forgiveness doesn't mean you con- condone what the person did or that you trust the person. Forgiveness is about getting our heart right with God. It is foremost about our relationship with God. Forgiveness frees you from a lifetime of bondage to a bitter and hardened heart. Forgiveness isn't a one-time act. We will have to continue to choose forgiveness. We forgive because God has forgiven us. Forgiveness doesn't mean 
we are getting the other person, letting the other person off the hook. It's entrusting God to take care of the situation for you. Forgiveness isn't reconciliation. Reconciliation requires genuine repentance on the part of the person who has wronged. I am blessed to be able to spend a few minutes walking home with my grandson. And I asked him if I could tell you guys this story, and he gave me permission. So he gets off the bus, and he goes, Grandma, did you make the chocolate cake that makes Grandpa and I feel great? (laughs) And I'm like, no, um, I didn't have time. Well, then he refused to talk to me. He was giving me the silent treatment big time. And so I tell him, the silent treatment is not communicating your feelings. And then he told me he was angry and he kind of kicks the dirt, you know. And so I explained to him, I think you were disappointed and you shouldn't let it ruin our time together. Um, And he insisted he's angry. He says, I'm just an angry person who cannot control his anger. And so I use with him a little feeling chart. And it's been very helpful. And I make copies, so if anybody wants them, I'll put them on the table afterwards. But even for me, it helps to have words that describe feelings. Um, that Because feelings are neither good or bad. And our feelings change. And we shouldn't let them guide us, even in our conversations. So it's important that you acknowledge them uh, to keep from leading to resentment and bitterness, not stuffing them, and um, not venting them to everyone, as Claudia shared in the self-control lesson. Um, But take them to the Lord. It really helps me to journal them, because that helps process them a little bit, and then talk to a trusted friend. Proverbs 25:15b says patience can persuade a prince and soft speech can crush strong opposition. And so when you're talking to especially like teenagers, um, I love to just say what you're going to say and then kind of walk away. Otherwise they think you're nagging them. So what did you get on your uh, math test? And then you just kind of so they don't think you're not. So that soft words and then walk away. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And Proverbs 25.11. Timely advice is lovely as golden apples in a silver basket. Proverbs 25.13. Faithful messengers are as refreshing as snow in the heat of summer. They revive the spirit of their employer. Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another daily. And then we want to be kind to people who even treat us wrong. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. We can choose to be kind rather than argue. 2 Timothy 2.24, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, and including difficult people, because sometimes we may be the difficult person. But being kind takes effort. And this was a verse we had from last time, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. 
Also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And if we find that our words are reflecting more hate and resentment, um, more than love, we might have bitteritis, like a bitter heart. It becomes a spiritual issue, not an emotional issue. And this is what I try to share with my grandson. It's basically sin. When we dwell on that anger, and we have those conversations in our head with ourselves, we win every argument in our own head. And that swells and grows like a cancer and spreads, and it takes hold of us. Um, it takes charge. And this is where I just find I have to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and guidance in my conversations. And he's faithful when we ask. Um, and I'm working on being cautious, not only in what I say, but how I say it. Um, and carefully watching my voice, my tone, my attitude with my words. Skip Isaac says, grace is what batters bitterness. And that we give that pain to God. We lay it at the cross. God's the best judge. I mean, and he's going to provide the justice. It's not our job. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie War Room. Um, in that movie, Miss Claire, she challenges Elizabeth to pray for her husband instead of resigning to being bitter. Um, and boy, she has a lot of good reason to be bitter. But she stops her from whining. And she says, the words you're using are all negative. And then Miss Claire has her write down everything that her husband has done wrong. And it's three pages later, and she says, plus more. And then Miss Claire says to her, but does God still love him? Where she has to say, yes, he does. So we don't want to allow hate to take over, because it can overpower the positive work that God wants to do through us. Exciting stuff that he wants to do through us in people's lives. So now when we look at restraint and silence. 1 Peter 3.9 says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things about you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God wants you to do, and he will bless you for it. 1 Peter 3, 15a through 16. If someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But you must do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak evil against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Proverbs ten nineteen. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. And at Grief Share, a few weeks back, I realized I was telling people how they should be thinking. And the Holy Spirit just said, ah, you need to stop doing this. Instead of just listening to their story, and let God do the comforting, convicting, and healing. 
Chuck Smith says, we almost always are better off if we said less. So we're going to look at Holda the prophetess in 2 Kings um, chapter 22. And we're going to pick it up in verse 15, but first I want to read this to you. Um, all we know of Holda is she was the wife of the keeper of the wardrobe. And as a prophetess in the reign of King Josiah, she could be found sitting in the central part of the city, ready to receive and counsel any who wished to inquire of Jehovah. She ranked with Deborah and Hannah among the rare women of the Old Testament. And when the lost book of the law was found, she was consulted. So if you want to turn to 2 Kings 22, we'll pick it up at verse 15. Then she said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, verse 16, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants, and all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender. I love that. Heart was tender. And you humbled yourself before the Lord. When you heard what I spoke against this place. And against its, its inhabitants. That they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. So our homework suggested that Huldah was a woman who knew how to speak carefully and use good judgment. She gave him bad news, which was national ruin was going to happen because of their disobeying God's commands. And then the good news, which that Josiah was going to die prior to the nation being destroyed. Her words were accepted and they were held in the highest esteem. And just I find it interesting that the death of Josiah, from God's view, was a good thing how different God's ways are than ours and how he sees things differently than ours. And Josiah died at 31 in a battle. Um, and then we have a similar message to give. There's bad things happening. But if you know the Lord is your Savior, you're going to be in heaven. Um, I'm sure your desire is most likely like mine to say what is meaningful, to use words to benefit those who are listening. One of the definitions of communication is to have fellowship. And I am so thankful for that sweet opportunity, the gift of fellowship that we get with one another, with ladies that can come together. And that church is a safe place. 
It's a place where we don't judge, not finger-pointing, where we can share our hurts with each other, our burdens. We can practice that forgiveness. Our words can bring peace and show grace to people who may be grace-deprived. And if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, it's so simple to receive that gift of salvation. And it's the most important decision that you make. And it's simply by asking God to save you by prayer. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you, and I'm sure your group leader would love to pray with you if you haven't received Christ as your Savior. I'm going to share this embarrassing story with you because I know that you're not going to gossip, but it's okay if you do. It's all right if you tell it. So it was a Wednesday night, and the teaching was from Mark, where, and it was about how Mary poured this fragrance on Jesus. And Pastor Drell was sharing, he was talking about that sweet aroma that we can have as Christians. And during, as he said that sweet aroma, I passed some gas. <laughs> and it was a quiet, thankfully, but the smell was deadly. <laughs> and on a scale of 0 to 10, it was like a 9. And just as I happened, and he says aroma, the thought just popped into my head that my words can be like the smell of stinky gas. Or my words can reflect that sweet fragrance of the love of Christ. So, Father, we thank you, God, for the ability to talk. We thank you, Father, for the people to talk to. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Father, who helps us use our words for good, to honor you. Thank you, Father, for helping us grow in your godly wisdom. Guide us in our conversations now in our group and just be glorified in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.